The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Sharon Lee Galagos was stalked by a scary woman for weeks before she was abducted in 1960. Ten days later, a body was found partially buried in the Arizona desert and given the nickname Little Miss Nobody. All these years later, it was determined that the body belonged to Sharon. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. But who abducted and killed Sharon Gallagher's? This case was compiled by Redditor and friend of the show, Tara Calico's Bike. So be sure to click the link in the description if you want to read more unsolved mysteries and true crime documentaries like this one. Sharon Lee Galagos was born on September 6, 1955, in Alamogordo, New Mexico. As a child, Sharon was described by her nephew, Ray Chavez, as a normal, happy-go-lucky child with a feisty personality. She loved to be helpful to her mother, often running little errands for her such as going to the grocery store to pick up items that were needed in the home. In the weeks leading up to Sharon's kidnapping, her family noted that she began to withdraw from things she normally loved to do, like those little trips to the grocery store for her mother. Investigators now know that this was because Sharon had been being stalked in this time period, with a few strange occurrences happening. On July 17, 1960, Sharon attended a church service with her mother, Guadalupe. Sitting in the parking lot of the church after the service sat a green-colored sedan with four passengers inside, a man, a woman, and two younger children. The children were only described as one freckled-faced boy and a small girl. After people gathered outside the church, the woman from the green sedan was observed asking some people in the congregation questions about Sharon and her mother. 
before long, Sharon's personality began to shift in other ways those last few weeks. Her family stated that she would become visibly upset whenever she would spot that same green sedan near her home, or parked in the places she was visiting. This car and its occupants scared her so much that she would often ask family members to pick her up and carry her anytime she needed to pass by this vehicle. Two days after the church incident, on July 19th, this same woman would knock on neighbors' doors surrounding the family's home. When she spoke with the neighbors, she had quite a few questions. She inquired about Guadalupe's actual address, how many children she had, specifically if she had a little girl, and even asked about Guadalupe's financial situation. This woman had asked these questions under the guise of intending to offer Guadalupe a well-paying job. On July 21st, around 3 p.m., Sharon was playing with her cousins in an alley located behind her home on Virginia Avenue. The same green sedan, which was believed to be a dark green 1951 or 1952 Dodge or Plymouth, pulled up into the alleyway. In an attempt to persuade Sharon to enter their car, they offered to buy her new clothing and some candy, but Sharon refused. Once the abductors knew that Sharon wouldn't go with them willingly, the woman exited the car, grabbed her by the arm, and dragged her into the vehicle, shutting the door behind her. The sedan quickly drove off and was last seen speeding onto 5th Street. This was the beginning of Sharon's real-life true crime story. So before we keep going, I've got some pretty exciting news. I just majorly overhauled the Tie Knots merch store with new t-shirts, as well as an awesome new mug, which you can see over here, and a tumbler. So if you'd like to pick up your own fingerprint t-shirt, just like this one, and help support the channel, you can follow the link in the description and be redirected to the new Tie Knots merch store. I think my personal favorite product has got to be the fingerprint mug though, but anyway, let's get back to the video. The female abductor was described as a heavyset woman in her 30s with blonde hair. The male abductor was described as thin with a fair complexion, a long nose, and straight, sandy brown hair. The other children who bore witness to the abduction ran back to their home to inform the adults about what had just taken place. The family immediately called crime scene investigators who wasted no time. Authorities set up roadblocks at the Texas-New Mexico border, where they searched any vehicle matching the description of the sedan the criminals were seen driving. Sadly, the criminal suspects wouldn't be heading east into Texas, but rather west into Arizona, a fact no one would know for over 60 years. FBI special agents attempted to piece the situation together, trying to establish a motive for the kidnapping. According to FBI files, a ransom demand was quickly ruled out due to the family's financial status and how the female abductor already inquired into that. The fact that Sharon had been stalked for weeks prior to the kidnapping led FBI agents to theorize that she most likely had been targeted and the abductors were biding their time. Witnesses, family, and neighbors were all promptly questioned as well. One of Sharon's 11-year-old cousins, who was also a witness to the crime, was adamant that she had seen the same vehicle parked near the Gallagos' home shortly before the abduction. She also recounts how she and Sharon had walked directly in front of it on their walk to the grocery store that afternoon. The 11-year-old said that the scary person inside the sedan was staring intently at the girl's home, and that this had upset Sharon so much that she again asked to be carried by her older cousin. A neighbor of the family also recalled seeing the vehicle parked outside the home the Sunday prior to the kidnapping. 
despite these recollections and descriptions of the criminals and suspects. On July 28th, FBI files stated that they had more or less chalked the abduction up to a relative or possible acquaintance, which was completely against the evidence that was before them. On July 31st, 1960, a Las Vegas school teacher named Russell Allen was out in the desert searching for rocks that he hoped to use to decorate his garden. He was searching near Sandwash Creek on Old Alamo Road in Congress, Arizona, when he stumbled upon the partially burned remains of a young female child. The body had been dressed in red shorts, a button-up blue blouse, and a pair of adult-sized flip-flops that had been cut to fit the feet of a child, with leather straps to secure them. The child's fingernails and toenails had also been painted a bright red color. Crime scene investigators had noticed that there had been two attempts to dig a grave to bury the girl. They also determined through tire impressions that the car had driven off of Highway 93 to the burial site before turning around again and driving away from it. Two sets of fingerprints were found in the desert sand, one of an adult and the other of a child who they believed had walked to the site of her murder. A knife was also found nearby, and the knife, clothing, and footprint impressions would all be sent to the FBI for forensic testing. The forensic analysis determined that the young girl, who was described as being between 5 and 7 years old and weighing between 50 and 60 pounds, had been dead for about 1 to 2 weeks prior to her discovery. They noted that her hair had been tinted an auburn shade, perhaps as a way to hide her identity. They were unable to conclude a manner of death, but stated that the child had not suffered any puncture wounds, nor broken or fractured any bones. Despite not coming to a conclusion on the manner of death, they did classify the true crime case as a homicide, as the remains had been set on fire and charred. A composite sketch was unable to be drawn up at the time due to the state of decomposition of the body. Soon, the moniker Jane Doe would be changed to Little Miss Nobody, a sad nickname to use as a placeholder until they could identify the body. The FBI special agents got to work, sending out an APB about the body that they had discovered. Through talking with people in the area where the body was discovered, they learned that witnesses had seen a family walking near the area around July 27th with a young girl wearing the clothing that had matched the description of the body. Initially, the crime scene investigators had considered Sharon to be Little Miss Nobody, due to her age as well as the date and proximity of the crime. However, they would eventually rule her out when they revised the age of Little Miss Nobody to be around 7 years old, determining that Sharon was too young to match the body. Since digital forensic technology has rapidly advanced since the time of the discovery of the remains, the decision to exhume the body of Little Miss Nobody was made in 2018. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children paid for this to be done, as well as for further testing. The forensic testing had determined through DNA samples that the highest possible age for the child was between 3 and 6 years old, once again bringing Sharon Galagos in as a possible victim. A composite sketch of the child was created by the University of Texas before her body was reburied in its plot, located in Prescott, Arizona. In January of 2022, samples of the DNA were sent to Othram Inc. in order to see if they could use genetic genealogy to find the girl's family or any living relatives. 
On March 15th of this year, investigating officers held a press conference to release the official name of Little Miss Nobody, who was positively identified as being Sharon Lee Gallagos. Crime scene investigators wanted to make it clear of their hopes that no one would again refer to Sharon as her moniker, saying, quote, The unidentified little girl who won the hearts of many in 1960 and who occupied the minds and time of our sheriff's office and partners for 62 years will now rightfully be given her name back. FBI agents are now working on the next part of their investigation, identifying the man and woman who abducted and murdered Sharon that summer day. They're currently trying to piece together the exact chain of events that occurred over the 10 days between the abduction and the discovery of the remains. If the suspects are still alive today, they would likely be in their 90s. While Sharon now has her name back, her case is still technically unsolved while investigators do their best to figure out what exactly happened to her. Don't forget to head over to the Tie Knots merch store to grab yourself a mug, a tumbler, or even just a t-shirt. But that's the video for today, you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to hit that like button. If you loved it, maybe consider sharing, subscribing, or clicking that blue join button below to really show your support for the channel. But my name is Ty Knots. You guys have been lovely, and I'll catch you in the next video.